All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we begin this, let me start by saying this is going to be a spoiler-free podcast. However, you will be expected to have seen the original Star Wars trilogy, as well as the prequel trilogy. I will not spoil anything from Episode 7, even though it's been over a year since it came out, and any nerd worth their salt has seen it. So if you haven't seen it yet, hang your head in shame. But let's move on with the spoiler-free review. Let's start the show. Well, this is it, folks. The movie that's been on everyone's mind since it was first announced finally came out. There's been rumors, there's been speculation, but we can finally put that all to rest. Rogue One has hit theaters. If you haven't already seen it, you may be wondering how it is. So here's my review. All right, we all know what this is about. So I'm just going to say a basic premise that this is about the daughter of the designer of the Death Star is enlisted by the Rebellion to try and get the plans for the Death Star. Don't forget to check out episode 23 of Future Flicks where I discuss Rogue One and the other unfortunate movies that chose this week to come out. All right, let's get down to it. What did I think? No, that's what you're all wondering. I bet you're all sitting at home right now going, I wonder what Billiam thinks about this movie, for I value his opinion above all others when it comes to movies. I should model my life after him, for he is wise. You said something like that, right? No, it's it's okay. You don't have to respond. I know you did. But what did I think about this movie? Well, let me say this. Rogue One is the third best Star Wars movie ever made. I love the original trilogy, and I love their story better, as in the story of the entire trilogy. But as a movie, Rogue One was better than Episode 6, Episode 7, and the prequels. I actually came out of the theater ready to do this, so it would have come out on Saturday, but I needed to digest. I needed to sit and think about the movie instead of just come home and laid all over the keyboard. So here I am, Hours later, clean keyboard, and I still feel the same way about it. I'm just going to be a little more articulate. After last night, I was on such a Star Wars high that I probably wouldn't have been able to give any really good critiques of the movie. It just would have been me gushing all over the place. And that is the second bodily fluid-themed reaction I've had so far to Rogue One. So let's, let's break this down. Let's be scientific about it and see what made the movie so great. Let's start with the story. All right, we know the story. We even know the outcome. We know they get the plans because we know episode four starts with Darth Vader chasing Princess Leia in her Corellian Corvette going after those plans. But what we don't know is how. We don't know everything that led up to that, and we especially don't know anything about the people who did it. I know a lot about the EU, that's the expanded universe, but mostly the stuff that takes place after the trilogy. Was Jyn Erso and Cassian Andor's names ever mentioned before this? I don't know. That I'm not sure of. Anything pre-Return of the Jedi is not my area of expertise. I could text my friend Count Casimir right now, who is a expert in the EU, but, but I'm a lazy a- So instead, I'll just move on. 
Rogue One had a by-the-numbers story that didn't really offer anything new or surprising as far, as far as these kind of stories go. There were even a few parts that were a little too convenient. There were no sins of Deus Ex Machina here, though, but still, there were parts that just a little too coincidental. There were a couple times where I was sitting there thinking, wow, it's really good that so-and-so was just right there. Otherwise, this movie would have taken a really dark turn a little too quick. But that's really my only gripe about the story. So the fact that there were a couple parts that were a little too convenient and the fact that we already knew the outcome did little to hinder my enjoyment of the story. So yes, we've, we've seen stories like this before. A ragtag group of heroes need to take on an enemy way out of their league and we watch them do it. One of the downsides of episode 7 was how predictable it was. And that really hindered my score. It could have been a perfect movie. It could have got an 11 out of 11, but it didn't just because I saw too much coming. And it's odd saying this. It's really odd saying this. But even though I knew what the outcome was going to be, there was still a lot I didn't see coming. So how the story unfolded was, was unique. What was also good about the story was that there were really good ways to work in references to the original trilogy to episodes four five and six especially episode four especially episode four and it didn't it didn't feel like they were stretching at all it all felt really natural so whenever whenever a hint was dropped or whenever a reference was made it was obvious it was the obvious reference to make at this point because of what happens later on there were even some references to the prequel trilogy that really worked never once did i feel that the writers or producers of this movie were pandering to us which was amazing so they just made a movie that's what they did they made the best movie they could they wrote the best script they could and it came out with a uh, with a fantastic product this was a two hour and 14 minute movie and within that two hour and 14 minutes everyone got their own little story so all of the main characters everyone you see on the poster when you walk into the theater was a needed character everyone had to be there they all served a purpose so if any of them were missing the movie would suffer greatly from it sure there were tons of character tropes in it in that ragtag group and even in the imperial side there were still some well-loved character tropes but you know what that's perfectly fine because we're talking about star wars here the first three movies helped build some of these tropes and make them things so even though we had the brash young pilot the wise old man the quirky droid it was great it worked so well because of the universe it takes place in and also because it's star wars the home of these tropes this story was penned by two unlikely sources uh, the story was written by john knoll and gary witta john knoll this is actually his first writing credit ever but he has visual effects credits from movies like super 8 pacific rim avatar uh speed racer unfortunately well it still looked fine you know there's that deep blue sea uh, Hugo. Did I mention Hugo already? Tomorrowland. So he's a visual effects guy who decided, you know what, I'm going to write. I I've seen enough of this stuff. I'm going to write some. And Gary Witta is writing Sherlock Holmes 3 right now. He also wrote video games, like the Walking Dead game. He also wrote the movie After Earth, you know, that um, Will and Jaden Smith abomination. Yeah, he wrote that. But let's let's forget, let's forgive him for that because he also wrote the Book of Eli, the Denzel Washington movie, which was really good. So visual effects guy and 
a video game writer, came up with a story for this movie. And they did a great job. Now, this story was turned into a screenplay by Chris Weitz and Tony Gilroy. Tony Gilroy has done movies like Born Identity, Born Ultimatum, like so all the Born movies. And Chris Weitz has done Cinderella, the Disney live action movie, and The Golden Compass. So all these people, all these unlikely people came together and wrote an amazing script. Because for a movie to be this amazing, this honestly wonderful, everything has to come together. It can't be lacking in any department. Gareth Edwards directed this one, who directed 2014's Godzilla, as well as 2010's Monsters. So that guy took this script that four people total worked on and turned it into a golden movie. You know what I'm great at? Segways. So let's talk about visuals next. You all know how critical I am of big budget movies with their use of CGI and even practical effects. If you have a budget big enough to feed a third world country for a decade, then you have no excuse to have poor CG. The original trilogy broke new grounds when it came to visual effects and blew the minds of everyone when it was released and a lot of it still holds up now. What doesn't hold up so well is a CGI when the original trilogy was re-released in the 90s. When episode 7 came out, they said they were going to use as many practical effects as they could, and you could tell. It looked great. No matter what you thought about it as a movie, it looked good. As far as Rogue One goes, I'm not sure how much of it was practical effects, but a ton was CG. And it looked beautiful. The space battles were amazing and thoroughly engrossing. I would watch hours upon hours of just that. There you go, Disney. There's an idea. Just do a three hour long movie of just Star Wars space battles. You're welcome. The money will flow in like sweet ambrosia. The worlds looked beautiful and immersive and, and the vehicles looked great. You know what didn't look great was there are a couple characters in the movie. I'm not going to say who because of spoiler reasons, but there are a couple characters that are CGI. And while they didn't look terrible, they looked so different that it was startling and took me out of the movie a little. So every time I saw these characters, one in particular, one of them in particular, and after you see the movie, you will know who I'm talking about. But one of them in particular looks great. And if it was in a video game or maybe a different movie, it would be less jarring and wouldn't stand out like a sore thumb as much. But here, in this movie, it did. So it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible at all, but it wasn't up to par with the rest of the movie. So it destroyed the suspension of disbelief for those scenes. Other than that, the movie looked beautiful. It was really well done. Let's hit the acting really quick, and unfortunately, it's, it's boring to talk about when everyone's great. And it's a good thing that everyone's great because it makes for a better movie, but at the same time, I don't get to make any funny quips, and I don't get to do a compare and contrast between someone who's really good and someone who's not so good in the same movie. Everyone did a great job here. And let's start with Felicity Jones, who played Jin Erso. Uh, She's one of those actors who can play a role so different from other movies that you forget it's her. I had to keep reminding myself that she was the same person who was in The Theory of Everything playing Jane Hawking. Her performance was fantastic and there was no one else, no one else at all who could have done the job as well as she did. Diego Luna played your standard dashing rogue and you know what? I never would have picked him. I never would have picked him for that role, but I'm glad I wasn't in charge of casting. Okay, 
No, not really. I wish I was in charge of casting because then I would have so much more money than I do now. But I'm just a simple movie nerd, so let's keep going. His role may have been run-of-the-mill, but he was a fantastic rebel pilot. He looked the part, his body language, the way he carried himself, the way you saw his conflicts of interest on his face when he was thinking about them. Everything he did was really good. Donnie Yen and Wen Zhang were great. Uh, Donnie Yen, of course, great in everything he does. Ip Man's fantastic. There's an Ip Man 4 coming out. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to love it. Yen is a lot like Ben Affleck, but only in the sense that even if he makes a bad movie, he's still good in it. It's the movie that's bad, not him. Daredevil was an awful movie. Ben Affleck was a good Matt Murdock. It's just the rest of the movie that was garbage. I wasn't familiar with Wen Zhang before this, and I have to say that his character needed Donnie Yen's character. These two were were one character, basically, and they, they needed each other, they needed to play off each other, and the movie needed them together. Alan Tudyk was in this too. He will always be best known as Wash, but he's one hell of a voice actor. I think he's one of the best of our time. He made K2 one of the best characters in the whole movie. My favorite character, though, was Donnie Yen, but because he was badass, but K2 was a close, close second because of the amazing amount of personality given in, given to him by Tudyk. Uh, ben Mendelsohn played Admiral Krennic, and he was so good, I want to punch him in the face. Everyone else did a great job, too. Riz Ahmed, Mads Mikkelsen, Genevieve O'Reilly. The acting was fantastic, and whoever was in charge of casting should start teaching classes because all movies should be cast this well. Acting is the cornerstone of movies. That may sound obvious, but think about it. Even if every part of a movie comes out flawless, if one of the main characters sucks, it can ruin a movie. Look at After Earth. Okay, maybe not a flawless movie, but it's just on my mind because I mentioned it earlier. Even if everything else came into play perfectly, Jaden Smith would have destroyed it all with his terrible acting. Lastly, let's talk about the music. Michael Giacchino is one of the biggest cinematic movie composers ever. His first big break was as a composer on Alias, and before that he mostly did video game music, and it just grew from there. He has Spider-Man Homecoming, War for the Planet of the Apes, and The Incredibles 2 on his plate right now. So how did he do on this one? He did all right. And that's not good enough. The music was good, but there wasn't any gripping song that just moved you, and that has always been a part of the Star Wars universe. Say what you will about the prequel trilogy, but the music was great. To this day, Duel of the Fates is one of these songs I pull up when I need to get pumped. Even if you don't know that name, you know that song. If you remember the scene in episode one when Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi were facing off against Darth Maul, that was a song that played. It's a moving song that stirs something deep inside you. And Rogue One didn't have a single song like that. The soundtrack was good. It was good. But when it comes to Star Wars, we expect more. We deserve more. Maybe we were spoiled. Maybe we have been spoiled by John Williams. But you know what? You cannot give us great music for six movies. Seven. I'm sorry, seven movies because John Williams did compose episode seven. So you can't give us great music for seven movies and just switch to good music for this one. Okay, true. It 
This movie isn't part of any one of the trilogies, it didn't have an opening crawl, and it had its differences from other Star Wars movies, but still, it is a movie in the Star Wars universe and it deserves music that moves you, and we didn't get music that moved us. We got good music. Enjoyable music. Music that fit the scene perfectly, and that did, it did help with, with the intensity of certain parts of the movie, but it wasn't Binary Sunset. It wasn't Duel the Fates. It wasn't the Imperial March. So unfortunately, what should have been one of the best parts of the movie was just good. And you know what? Good is not bad. As obvious as that sounds to say, good is not bad. But it's not what should have been in the movie. You know, as you can tell, this is coming out on Monday the, Monday the 20th, and I saw this movie on the night of the 16th. I, I wanted to write this and record this as soon as I got home that night, but like I said earlier, I, I needed time. I needed to think a bit more about it. And I started this, I started recording this on the 18th. I'm finishing on the 19th because I just needed more time to think. And I think that time changed the score. This did change my final score because everyone really should take time to digest movies fully before they start throwing out praise or hate. So let me wrap this all up with some final thoughts. This was a really really good movie. It is still my third favorite Star Wars movie. I do love Return of the Jedi, but as as a movie on its own, this one is better. This movie did a lot right, and it really gives me hope for the future of Star Wars, that Disney is going to do a good job, that maybe episode seven and how much better it could have been was just them finding their stride. And maybe this, this is a sign of things to come. This movie, Rogue One, gives me hope that all the pre-hype for episode eight is worth it. I, I've read a lot of other reviews about this and a lot of people actually had issues with the fan service, with all the references to the, to the prequels and the references to episode four, but I think they are just being overly critical. Every reference in this movie fit. It didn't it never felt like they went out of their way to make a reference and every character who you saw that's been in other ones, any references to other characters was done so in a time when it made sense. And so that only added to the awesomeness of this movie. Rogue One is a fantastic standalone movie in the Star Wars universe with amazing acting, with a great story, with mostly almost 100% impressive visuals and good music. I really want to watch this movie again in theaters. And the minute it comes out to own, I am going to own it and I'm going to watch it. This movie is a must see for anyone, anyone who ever has loved anything about Star Wars. And even if you don't, even if you are not a Star Wars fan, this is still an enjoyable movie. This is a fine movie and a great example of good storytelling, great presentation, and picking the right people to do the job, except for the music. I mentioned that the time I took to ponder this movie affected the score, but it didn't affect the score much. Rogue One was going to get an 11 out of 11, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought a better score and a more honest score is that Rogue One gets a 10 out of 11. Well, folks, I hope you like this. I tried to keep it short, but it's kind of hard to keep a, a review of such a big movie short. Right now, unedited, I'm about at the 22 minute mark, and most of my podcasts are usually about 30 minutes or 30 to 40 minutes. So that's, that's pretty, pretty long for just one movie review. So let me just get with the housekeeping. 
But let me also say that thank you very much for listening. Honestly, thank you. It means a lot that people other than my friends and family want to listen to this. So again, thank you for your support. Thank you for your interest in this. If you're new, thank you for giving this a try. Please check out the regular Future Flicks podcast where I talk about all the movies coming out during the week. And if you're a regular listener, thank you very much. If you ever have any questions, comments, I'll tell you how to contact me in the housekeeping, which is coming up. But let me pose this question. What did you think of Rogue One? If, you, if you've seen it already, or at, even after you listen to this and then you see the movie, because you were waiting for my review, right? <clears throat> no, 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 you weren't. You weren't. But, um... <laughs> But what did you think of the movie? Honestly, tell me what you think. Uh, do you agree? Was I too harsh on it? Was I too easy on it? Let me, Honestly, let me know what you think. Here comes a house, housekeeping so you can find a way to give me your opinion. So you can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, and any podcast listening app as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's www.somewhatnerdy.com. Need to reach me? Leave me a comment on the Somewhat Nerdy site or the Facebook page. Leave me a comment on SoundCloud. You can also hit me up on Twitter. I'm Billiam, S-W-N. That's B-I-L-L-I-A-M-S-W-N. Email me at billiamreviews at gmail.com. And be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Square Circle, also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network, and also the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, a great project from our good friend Critter. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. Lastly, my dear friends and my dear, dear listeners, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy, signing off. And I'll see you in the future. journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational snarf Chris and the cunning critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the somewhat nerdy radio podcast, the bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe somewhat nerdy radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds.